We are recording. Wesson, you know what I want to call this episode? What? The dog that didn't bark. Um. I was trying to think of a Japanese-er thing, but okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, you think the dog's going to bark, but often the thing that stands out the most is the dog that didn't but, bark. But that's, that's like, but that's, that's like, um, dog that didn't bark is like, uh, nothing happened as a result. Not like a nothing happened. Like, um, a bomb didn't go off, but like people got destroyed today in markets. Okay. Let's talk about those people wrong. that got destroyed. Who got destroyed and why? Do you, you want me to tell you right now? Yeah, sure. They basically were the short sellers. I don't know who specifically are, but there has been an insane amount of short selling. This is one of the charts. I don't know, like, like how do I reference a chart to you? Uh, just tell, just like... tell me. I, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Only I can reference it. But um, yeah, yeah, so wait, short sellers of the Japanese yen or of the uh Of the JGB, JGB market. No, the JGB. Market, oh, the, oh, shorter, uh, okay, people who are short the bonds. Okay, okay, okay. We'll get that. Okay. Yeah. So, folks, uh, as everyone can surmise, we are joined by uh, Weston Nakamura, uh, very well versed in all things finance, but a particular expert when it comes to the Bank of Japan and I the think Bank of Japan. Japanese finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, Weston, the last time we spoke, uh, the Bank of Japan, I was going to say the Fed, raised their. Uh, not their targets, but their ban. So basically, uh, the target is still zero on their ten-year treasury, ten-year uh, JGB yield, but uh, the ban was around from negative zero. fifty basis points to fifty basis points around zero. Uh, so basically, everything is trading at fifty basis points, and we are not talking about like, oh, the Fed's racing to three percent, the ECB is racing to two percent. We're not. That's all overnight rates, uh, almost all the time. The Bank of Japan's rate is at negative one, negative zero point one percent, ten basis points. Uh, that's the overnight rate, I think overnight. Um, we're talking about yield curve control, where you actually, the central bank targets a particular yield on a government security that has real duration, like a 10-year Japanese <laughs> government bond market. So, Weston, what happened since then? What were the expectations leading up to the uh, Bank of Japan meeting that just happened? And uh, why was it such a surprise? Um, yeah, so first, Jack, I just want to apologize for interrupting your vacation. Um, that's not a that's not like a background thing that you're really on vacation but so thank you for making the time but it is important so no worries, um, man yeah so so basically like so like just like you said since last time we spoke right so boj shocked markets by doing something today they shock markets by doing nothing um but by doing nothing i mean you know like yeah so yield curve control policy was left unchanged that was uh not what not what was expected by market participants now that's what was the 40 economists except for city uh city group um 40 economists were saying they were predicting this as well but that's just 40 people in offices and um, i'm talking about actual market participants and market positioning and market activity that's been going on uh they begged to differ and they were made once again widows um by shorting jgbs and the jgb market and jgb futures and uh, as uh, you know, thinking that there was going to be, you know, that, that the December, you know, sort of surprise increase in the yield curve control trading ban is the beginning of this, you know, long process of this Japan unwind of QE of these like, you know, this this unprecedented decade of QE. And that is the last major central bank to, you know, remove accommodative policy. And now we are in a re total regime shift as you know, you know, on a global level and so on and so forth. And uh, we're gonna double down on our bets that worked out on, on uh, in December and just keep shorting the, the, the bond market, the JGB market and so on and so forth. And, um, and as you and I had discussed, there were reasons that BOJ did that. And then the people that were calling for this and betting on it were looking at completely different reasons. And that is why they did not see uh, that today there, the BOJ is going to be policy unchanged. So policy unchanged does not mean kind of sanguine markets um, at all by any means. Uh, there's a lot uh, that, that certainly happened. A lot of people kind of blew up today. Right. So J JGB is a Japanese government bond. Uh, they're targeting the 10-year JGB. 
And by widening the band in December, because the pressure on rates is upward, not lower, basically all 10-year government bonds are now, we're now trading at 50 basis points. And the expectation was that they would allow uh, JGB yield to drift even higher. They'd be forced to, they'd be forced to, even higher and in order to defend the yen. So that would strengthen the yen and yields would be able to rise. And uh, when bond yields rise, the price of bonds go down. So when you're saying short sellers, you know, we're not talking about AMC here or GME um, or Tesla. We're talking about, yeah, shorting a bond. And when you short a bond, you make money by, you borrow it and then you sell it and you make money if you can buy it back at a lower price. So you can buy if you buy it back at a higher yield, that's buying it back at a, a lower price. But they were not able to do that, Weston, because the Bank of Japan did absolutely nothing. Their policy was completely unchanged regarding yield curve control, and that caught many players offside. So people were betting that the Japanese yen, uh, so so the yen uh, weakened. They were betting that it would strengthen, and it didn't because if interest rates are very low, you know, money can just leave the country, right? So. So the, 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 the Bank of Japan defended their bond market at the expense of their own currency. Is that safe to say? Yeah. So the the yen, we can get into, you know, like uh, separately. But just for now, for just like uh, talking about the, like yields, sovereign bonds, fixed income, because this this impacted treasuries and everything, too. Um, but um, basically, the Japanese government is the most indebted in the world uh, with a 206% debt to GDP. And it, like we discussed last time, it can still borrow money for a quarter of a percent or now a half a percent for 10 years out. Whereas the United States treasury, these risk-free treasury can has to pay, um, you know, 400 basis points or 300 basis points or whatever for just like a month or two or out. Right. Um, And so that doesn't make any sense, but um, it makes sense in the sense that the bank of Japan is the most intrusive central bank and most aggressive QE uh, on steroids, central bank um, out there, and so basically, um, the kind of international financial community—not just hedge funds too, either—but like, but a lot of hedge funds are, and and the domestic um, Japanese community too, institutional community are basically saying like, okay, that December yield curve control band widening—that was like the start of this whole new like era. They're gonna have to, they're they're gonna be forced to, they're gonna be twisted, their arm is gonna be twisted into um, joining the, you know, stopping an outlier, join the rest of the uh, global DM uh, sort of, you know, central banks and hike interest rates or like, you know, m- tighten your financial conditions. You are now experiencing um inflation you know there's a potential four handle on cpi uh coming out tomorrow um four handle is a big deal in japan even though it's like half of that of like you know gm you know peers uh worldwide but uh so so people are basically looking at it through the lens of like fed ecb sort of thing right like inflation is going up you need to hike rates um and and combat that and stop with this, like you know, insane QE and insane it is. But what what's the reason that that's um, a problem is because people are not looking at the the correct metrics. They're not looking at it through the correct lens, right? Um, as you and I had discussed last time, the reason that they and they explicitly said this too, right? Um, this is not like brain surgery. Um, all you have to do is just not automatically assume that all central bankers are lying all the time. The reason that the Bank of Japan suddenly had to, uh, after a year of like s- just being very stubbornly holding 25 base points cap, no matter what, at the expense of the yen, getting crushed, um, you know, 33% down year to date um, uh, throughout uh, 2022 as the worst major foreign currency and all that kind of thing. Um, and they, you know, they were just like, we full stop period. We are not going to move on 25 basis points. That is the cap on yield curve, curve control for the 10 year uh, yield on JGBs. And then suddenly in December, they increased that to 50 uh, basis points. And that's what shocked everybody. And the reason, though, that they did that is not because of any CPI sort of related, you know, matter. It was because of there is there are is like a rapidly deteriorating financial um, not financial conditions like uh, financial stability or instability and and uh, kind of bond market functioning and market functioning in general. Um, and that's what was that's what changed and that's what needed to be addressed. And so that's why they had to do that. They had to just get more sort of kind of you know policy flexibility. Um, that's what they were going for. Unfortunately for them, 
the results of that, that remedy actually ended up becoming, um, since the last time you and I spoke to now, that I actually ended up just opening this Pandora's box of uh, fueling this these like short sellers into thinking like, this is capitulation, BOJ is throwing in the towel. Um, and so, you know, let's just keep shorting the JGB market and all that. And meanwhile, you know, and, and they've been under like, in a, you know, like crazy attack since since then. Um, just to just to um, kind of like I don't know if you have those charts, Jack, but of like the uh, uh, kind of the financial um, conditions or not the financial conditions. I'm sorry, like the distortions and like the the JGB curve, for example. Yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah, it's right here. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see. Yeah, so you'll see that this is uh, the day before um, the December policy meeting where they kind of shocked everyone. That's a very messed up looking yield curve, right? Because you have the eight-year tenor, the nine-year tenor, um, not only yielding above the 10-year, but that those were yielding above the 25 base point yield curve control cap for, on the 10-year. That's a very yeah. sort of messed up thing. Yeah, if you, if, you have the nine year, if you have a nine-year bond trading at 100 basis points and a 10-year trading at 90 basis points, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. And and the curve uh, is is not inverted. It's just that particular kink. It's it's the, unnatural. The nine ten spread is inverted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so so that's that kind of kink is very. What that is, what that what you can visually see there is that is what yield curve control specifically targeting and con, you know concentrated unlimited buying at the ten year tenor. That's what that's what comes of that a, a shape like that. So they are trying to kind of smooth that out because that's causing all kinds of problems um, in terms of just just general trading, you know, of of, um, of bonds when they even when they do trade, right? And since then, the black line is uh, one month or one policy meeting since then, and clearly that kink has gotten worse. Um, so that didn't really work out. And then you have that this other chart of worse and liquidity, right? Um, and you're looking at like an average bid ask spread on on JGBs, which again, yeah, not this, this the most right liquid, here. but yeah, the they're you know so so the, they're getting, I mean the the bid ask spread is just getting wider and wider, which means you know there's just kind of less trading liquidity um, that that's happening, and this is all because of a gigantic non-economic whale in the market known as the Bank of Japan. Um, you know, buy, like buying up JGBs, but th- these are the so reasons. That they do. Sorry, wasn't interesting enough. The decision to double the ten-year yield ceiling did not improve liquidity because bid ask spreads only got wider since then. The the what they thought was the remedy may, was pouring gasoline on the fire. Um, Why? And so tell, tell us about that. Explain that. So basically, they th- they thought that. Um, you know, this is not something that they wanted to do in December, but they felt uh, the, they were trying to address like this quickly, rapidly deteriorating sort of situation um, in the functioning of the JGB markets and then thereby the credit markets and all that kind of th- uh, thing. And they also saw that December was kind of an opportunity in which to do so because, um, you know, when when speculators are like betting against the bank of Japan and really and markets are pressuring them and you have like you know the yields on uh what's supposed to be a yield curve control like right up, up against that ceiling and you have just just general commentary and sentiment you know like a shorting of J, uh, jgb futures and um uh, you know just a lot of speculative bets and not and and you know and real money bets kind of uh, or real money flows um reflecting that um, that's when they cannot capitulate, right? Um, and that's ironically the way that it works is that the more that like markets are pressuring them to do something, the more that they do not do something. And so December was the one month, you know, Kuroda has three meetings left at that point until he's done. Yeah, he he's the current the Bank last... of Japan governor and he's his governor term ends Kuroda. in March or April? In, in April, but March is his last meeting, and then that's going to be the uh, you know see, that's seen as like a new sort of policy regime, and they're going to definitely you know get rid of yield curve control then at that point. But you know he knows that his last two meetings are going to be just rife with like speculation about you know this kind of uh, uh, change in policy um, to obviously be more hawkish and uh, ditch like these kind of ten years of experimental levels of radical um, uh, accommodation and but December was a month where 
they could do it on their terms not you know because it's not see it wouldn't be seen as like markets pressuring them to do it so that's why they did it unfortunately for them it didn't work out that way and then you know the the bets start piling in and so this is what happened since then right so you basically have those two sort of you know worsening liquidity you have bid ask spreads kind of widening you have the uh jgb yield curve that like kink in there like getting even worse um you have corporate uh bond issuance that kind of froze up right so you had companies like sumitomo uh real estate and um a few others that had planned uh you know debt issuances for january that they postponed because they thought what if they just do it what if they you know um increase the 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 10-year jgb reference rate again you know like where how are we supposed to even price bonds at this point and issue bonds um you're starting to see a potential first corporate Japan default since 2017, um, which is a company, Unizo. And uh, the last company that defaulted in Japan was Takata Airbags. That's the maker of airbags that killed people like for years. And there's like recalls after years of years. That was the last bankrupt bankruptcy. This is the actual, like, this would be the first actual corporate bankruptcy, not a, we killed people with our horrible product, you know, sort of should be out of business bankruptcy, bankruptcy, right? Um, so corporate Japan is now starting to kind of face the reality of what a higher yield uh, or a non-free money environment looks like. And so all of this is occurring in the since since they put this so-called remedy in to, short, to sort of um, alleviate the worsening, deteriorating financial um, and the instability that's happening. Right. And just Weston, can, I, can I take a guess as to why that happened? Yeah. Because. Sure. OK. Shorting Japanese government bonds, the widowmaker trade, shorting the yen, uh, for for decades, right? But b- people actually made money shorting the Japanese government bonds over the past month, and so they piled into the trade, expecting that the Bank of Japan would continue to raise the band. And honestly, as you know, a pretty um, attentive observer of like the Federal Reserve, uh, I, that makes sense to me. Like the Fed does twenty-five, and then they do fifty. What's next? Seventy-five. When they go down from 75, what's next? 50. What's next after 50? Almost, almost likely, very likely, 25. Um, they could keep it 25, but that, that makes sense to me. They they raised it from 20, uh, the fan from 25 to 50 on again not the actual rate, but the the band uh, and on the 10 year. So it makes sense to go to 75. So people did people pile into this trade and they lost a lot of money. Yeah. So that's that's and I, I'm so glad that you said this, Jack, because. Um, you're not wrong to think that think in that manner in terms of the Fed, the ECB, the whoever it is, but you cannot apply that framework to Japan. This is what what you and I were discussing last time. They did this um, for you know uh, not CPI reasons at all, right? And you know you don't you don't do like the insane amount of of, of QE for a decade to to fight decades of in a deflationary mindset and then just get like a couple of four you know three four handle prints on on core CPI. And then just like ditch the policy. Um, you need to make sure that like slow and variable lags. You need to make sure that this is actually going to is you know be be sustainable. But if you look at it from kind of like more of a Western sort of um, central banking mon- you know modern monetary policy framework, that's how you would think about it too. And the same thing that you just said just now, like yeah, like you know Fed has is going to be on kind of a momentum, either slowing down or speeding up you know, hiking 25 base points, then 50, then 75, and so on and so forth, right? But um, but if you, but that's because, you know, you're, you and the Fed are looking at it through the same lens. They're trying to tackle inflation. You're looking at it through the, okay, like, this is the goal. This is the enemy and all that. It, for Japan, from the foreigner's perspective, looking at Japan, the BOJ is saying, we're not, this is nothing to do with inflation. And then foreigners are still looking at it through the inflationary lens. And so that's why they're kind of getting it wrong. So the, all the, the the foreign short sellers like Blue Bay, UBS, and whatever from uh, December that did not become widowmakers, they were right for the wrong reasons. And I kind of that's what I pointed out. Like like good job being uh, having a right trade, but do you know why you had that trade correct? And if you don't, you're going to be applying a you know a, a false framework to something, and you're going to double down on something that was coincidental. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and who, yeah, right. and, and who, uh, so, so, so when uh, the, a lot of short sellers of Japanese government bonds 
yeah. that that makes liquidity even worse, right? Because there are no buyers. The problem isn't that there aren't sellers. There's a lot of sellers. The problem is that there are there are buyers other than the Bank of Japan. So liquidity got even worse. And yeah, let's let's actually take a look at uh, this chart of the 10-year Japanese government bond future, and I'll go to full screen so yeah. um, folks can see. This is the price, not the yield. So. Uh, these these bonds have some sort of coupon. I don't know what they are, but the price is 146 for par. So in 10 years, you get $100 back, but you're paying 146 for it because it gives you back a coupon. That's that's how bonds work. So you saw the huge red candle, uh, like right below the S in futures. That I imagine uh, was the decision on December 20th from the last Bank of yep. Japan meeting. And since then, those bonds have been selling move, off. Right. And to, then, yeah, that's uh, a huge move. And then you have more short sellers, more more, more selling, uh, more selling. And so people were still, you know, very short at 144, and now it's at 146. And if you're levered a gajillion times, like everyone is in the fixed income markets, you can lose a lot of money. So those, the 10-year JGB futures, um, I used to trade those at when I was at Goldman, and um, those are one contract is face value is 100 million yen notional per contract. They are massive size contracts. These are huge notional, right? So what I kind of the, the that yellow um, oval that I've that I've circled there, anybody who shorted JGB futures in that time frame, as you can see with that green stick up from today, you are either done or you are you know about to be, depending on where you shorted. But nobody has made like everyone got burned uh, from from that point forward uh, for for the last few days leading into this, right? And let me tell you why they did this, okay? So from last Thursday, um, whatever the date was on last Thursday, the, the what, what, what was the date? The, I don't know, 11th or something like that? Um, but basically since last Thursday, over the last four trading days, four or five trading days, the 10-year JGB yield was yielding above the new 50 basis points um, so-called yield curve control cap which is a very weird thing, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, over that time frame, this is basically what the Bank of Japan has done. On Thursday alone, the Bank of Japan bought 4.6 trillion yen in JGBs. That was a single-day record. Um, and to put things in perspective, 9 trillion yen is what the Bank of Japan had uh, increased its monthly scheduled JGB buying uh, to in December when you and I spoke the last time. Okay, in other words... Last Thursday, the Bank of Japan bought half of their monthly planned amount in a single day. That was a record. Until the next day, Friday. Last Friday, the Bank of Japan set a new single day record and bought 5 trillion yen worth of JGBs in this unlimited JGB buying operation because there are just a ton of sellers trying to um, short sell and actually you know, long sell uh, their positions. So basically, they did one month worth of of one month worth of increased JGB buying that had, uh, it, you know, the, the one month like sort of allotment was exceeded in two straight day record setting days. Okay, and they also increased the amount uh, again on Monday. That they uh, last Friday they said, come Monday we're going to be you know increasing our amount too. Then Monday and Tuesday of this week, um, they continued to buy more. Basically, over the last four days. The Bank of Japan bought over 13 trillion yen in four consecutive trading days: Thursday, Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. And that, that's that about is, a, what a hundred billion dollars. Uh, at yeah, at uh, basically around these sort of you know FX levels, it's basically like 100 billion dollars. So the Fed was doing what 120 billion in a month, right? Yeah. Uh, of QE at the peak. So Bank of Japan basically was doing what the Fed was doing, but the Fed. What the Fed was doing in one month, they were doing it over the course of four trading days and at well, one quarter of the size of the economy. So, it, I mean, it's just absolutely insane amount of uh, like hyper QE on steroids that they BOJ has been doing. Um, and the and so you can see in the, you know, the, the JGB like sh short selling uh, in the futures. Right. And then do you recall um Jack, the last time you and I spoke, that we you said that like the BOJ can sometimes own more than one hundred percent of I do. <laughs> of, of an issue. Okay, I so, do. Yeah, I just want to address that. So the reason that that ties into um, so the last also over the last four days, you see the 
if you just look up like kind of any uh, generic yield on the tenure JGB, you'll see that. Yeah, and I, I found it. That's why I was I was just downloading that. Let me. Like, we got it now. So yeah. So this is yeah. the ten-year yield starting a month ago. So at the very beginning of the chart is when yields shoot up to that twenty-five basis point thing, and mm -hmm. now uh, uh, you know over the past week or so, as you said, the bonds were actually trading above the fifty-point basis curve. So yeah, how is that possible? Given yep. that the the curve, you know, the, the Bank of Japan is saying that they'll buy everything above uh, when it's, you know 50, 50 basis Unlimited, points and right? point zero 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 one, right? And how does that relate to yeah, there being uh, naked shorts in the Bank of Japan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, it's so funny to think of think of it like a meme in meme terms, but um, yeah, but it's it's true though. Like you know, how how is it possible for it's a perfectly legitimate question, right? Like. Uh, the Bank of Japan is saying we're bid for unlimited, and they can do that. This is an unlimited printing press. Um, so no matter what the amount, the notional amount that the market has to throw at the Bank of Japan, theoretically, there is a cement ceiling of a wall of buying that cannot be penetrated um, because the Bank of Japan has this unlimited bazooka. So how is it possible that that yields are trading above or, or bond prices are trading below the floor of what the Bank of Japan is guaranteeing. So the way that that the reason that that happens is basically Bank of Japan owns, as Jack and I discussed, eighty percent, some, sometimes ninety percent, and sometimes one hundred percent of a particular issuance, right? Of uh, JGB uh, issue issue number three sixty four, right? Let's just call it that, right? And so what happens is that. You are allowed to, if, you know, if you want to short something, right? You can actually borrow from the Bank of Japan. So Bank of Japan will will lend you a JGB, but you can't borrow from the JGB or um, from the BOJ. You can't borrow Japanese government bonds from the from the Bank of Japan and then and then sell short sell it back to the Bank of Japan in these unlimited fixed rate buying operations. They don't allow that. However, what you can do is you can borrow from the Bank of Japan. Uh, who obviously has a fifty percent of you know or more of of uh, bonds outstanding? They have plenty of supply. Uh, you could borrow from them, and then you short sell it in what's called the brokers brokers markets, the BB market, right? And that's basically the secondary trading market of uh, JGBs x the Bank of Japan. And they you know they quote prices, and you can you know actually you know have an execution. And so if you actually have an execution um, at a level that is at a price level that is below the floor of what the the BOJ is guaranteeing the reason so below the price two, floor but ab above the yield ceiling right so so yeah. therefore that you're you're and, and the reason that you get prints at like you know 50 uh, four basis points or whatever it is um is because you know the only reason that somebody would do that is because they believe that in the near future 50 basis points is no longer going to be the ceiling they believe that maybe 100 basis points is going to be a ceiling. And so if you short at 54 basis points and it goes 100 basis points, or in other words, if you uh, short at uh, level you know X or whatever, and then it you know drops much further, then that's a very, very nice return. And so that's so anytime you see um, JGB 10s yielding above the yield curve control you know band, you can assume that those are short sellers that are doing that. And they're doing it because they feel that like that's that's my fill to get in, but like they're going to ditch yield curve control, or they're going to have to move the band, and so I'm going to make a very very hefty profit. And so all of that like that whole week of it trading above, those are also short sellers that got burned today, right? So that's if you combine the the, the JGB futures that 100 billion uh, notional per contract, that whole you know four days of of just getting. Um, squeezed out today as well as the this uh the 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 people that were shorting and keeping the yield you know the printed yield of 10-year jgbs above yield curve control cap that's why, why you saw uh policy unchanged you know and nothing happened and you saw jgb yields collapse into like the 30 handle in, of um of uh base points um, like a very sharp move down, and that's why which you saw honestly doesn't really spike. make sense. They they should be trading at fifty basis points, right? They should be, but if they if the Bank Japan if the expectation was if if you if you were willing to short at a price below the floor, and then thinking that the floor was going to be lowered, but the floor remained static, you are in trouble, right? Because <laughs> you were right. you 
So so you you know you were ho you were expecting the floor to just drop out from underneath, and so your short would be you know a, a very profitable position. And if that drop never happens, well you're going to have to get the hell out of your position, and then you have to buy cover and you get short squeeze. And so that's what happened with um you know JGB's uh, JGB futures you know hit basically uh, limit up uh, today um, at the PM open and all that. And so it's been a very very um sort of tough like lesson is what i thought but now you're starting to see and then the yen strengthens um off of that because it's a basically a reversal of uh or i'm sorry the yen weekends off of that because it's a reversal of the last uh you know few months trend in which people were betting on yields uh to or, or uh, uh policy divergence to convert between the u.s and japan right you know the the yen was originally getting crushed because of the fact that you were getting a uh, very hawkish Fed, you know, lifting rates and inflation. So therefore, yields, nominal yields in the U.S. go up, and then they're um, doing a relative bet versus the Bank of Japan, which is standstill dove with yield curve control capped. And so as that spread happens, USD JPY goes up. Therefore, you short the yen, and that was a very crowded trade and a very profitable trade. But now you're getting, you know, inflation to in the U.S. to roll over. You're getting Fed funds to start pricing in cuts. And at the same time, you're getting a potential perceived uh, hiking of the BOJ. Um, and so both sides are getting uh, hit from, you know, and so so people are right, kind right, of- Right, right, right. Weston, sorry, sorry, Weston. So this yeah. chart uh, shows from October or November of 2022 yeah. to January 16th or January 17th. And yep. that actually shows USD JPY. So how many Japanese yen in a dollar actually go down? So the dollar actually weakening and the yen strengthening, which is the complete opposite of what happened in this in, over in 2022. Um, and and that happened, yeah, as Fed cuts were being priced in and uh, Jap Japanese yen was strengthening stuff like that. Uh, but I actually don't think this chart includes uh, the really strange price action that's happened over the past two days. So. The dollar, uh, um, yeah, the dollar rallied, the yen weakened uh, on the news yesterday. And that makes sense, right? Because if people want to get out of, you know, ja they, they don't like Japanese government bonds and they can't, well, the uh, the, 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 yeah, the yield can't, yeah, the, the yield can't sell off. The only way for the pressure to release is through the currency valve. Uh, but then they it rallied again. So it went from 128 to 132 one to now it's 128 again so what what happened that's weird and again this yeah. is not shown on the chart so apologies about that and also apologies to the audience for my audio being bad and maybe also uh, um, uh weston's audio uh, uh being removed as well but you know i'm in jamaica he's in japan we're, we're making it happen okay so <laughs> i have no i have no excuse for that but uh yeah here so so let, let's just do this so um because i get a lot you know a lot of questions about um why is the yen strengthening why is the yen strengthening when the boj is printing an insane amount of um you know to to support the jgb market and all that all that's legitimate um and so i kind of just want to walk through like what is basically happening with the yen so if you jack if you pull up that uh, chart of like the euro dollar futures implied volatility versus cme yen futures price um that that's basically where this this story kind of starts but basically um the short yen trade was for 2022 was the global macro trade of 2022 because it was like i said um you know a large part of fed trade because it was a policy divergence trade the reason it's a policy divergence trade is because normally rates traders would bet on where um you know short-term interest rates um fed fed funds whatever would be at what level at what time um but that it's you see the spike in euro dollar futures right short-term interest rate futures um, implied volatility that reflects like huge uncertainty of what the hell the Fed's going to do or not knowing what the Fed's going to do. So instead of um, trying to, you know, pinpoint exactly what they're going to do and all that, race traders basically said, okay, let's just take a relative bet. We're going to bet that the hawkish Fed is going to be directionally hawkish and the bank Japan is going to be this weird standout dove and, uh, you know, just have its yield cap curve control cap in place. And we're going to bet on a policy divergence and that's dollar up, that's yen down. So therefore short yen futures. And that's why you see this, um, that kind of almost a perfect mirror match of CME yen futures prices declining while euro dollar futures implied volatility uh, increases. It's hard, it's getting hard to do that traditional um, instrument uh, trading on euro dollar futures. Therefore, everyone piled into shorting the yen. And so that was a very sort of profitable um, and, you know, a, a trade that worked out well. However, 
in uh, October 20 on October 21st of 2022. And then you can go back to that last uh, chart uh, that you had up, uh, Jack, um, of the uh, of Yen futures um, and the spot USDJPY. Um, on that day, that was October 21st, 2022, at around 10:30 or 10:45 or so Eastern time. Okay, that was the top tick in US uh, DJPY. Okay, or in other words, that was the bottom tick in yen futures, and that was also, by the way, the top tick in 10-year US Treasury yields. Okay. So keep that in mind because anytime you hear anybody talk about, you know, brilliant strategists and not so brilliant strategists, but people who are talking about like, yeah, October was the top in yields or wasn't the top, top in yields or whatever it was. Um, I'm always wondering if they're aware of what actually caused that actual reversal. What was the flow catalyst that did that? The Ministry of Finance on at that time, okay, at uh, 1030 or 11 a.m. on the 21st, it was a Friday 21st of October, they did their second unilateral intervention, intervention basically intervening in, in foreign exchange markets, and they sold dollars, bought yen without the permission of the U.S. Treasury. That's why I'm saying it's unilateral, although they probably had some backroom sort of wink, wink, nod, nod, and did, did that. And that basically corresponded with, you could see that like spike in volume on JPY futures. That was record volume. The only time that you saw a volume that, um, the, the record before that was, November um, 2016, Trump Trump shock election win, where you had like just cr kind of macro craziness going on, and that exceeded uh, the, the the October 21st um, 2022 volume exceeded that. That was the beginning of this massively crowded short yen position um, that began to get short covered. In other words, position exiting, buying yen futures, and then that basically bled into a series of catalysts that um, called for the, you know, the, the end of this short yen trade, the, the thesis, right? If the thesis is that there's going to be a hoggish Fed and a dovish um, uh, BOJ, and therefore you short the yen, well, now you're starting to get October CPI coming in at 7.7, .7, then November CPI coming in at 7.1. And so inflation is starting to, um, you know, kind of top out and roll over. Then you're starting to get like recession fears starting to creep in. And then you start to suddenly get BOJ to start to lift lift rates in uh, December. And all of these things are um, causing this massive uh, what used to be overcrowded, now it's becoming less and less crowded, but still has a lot, uh, a huge net short position on um, positioning on, on CFTC, like commitment of tra traders data for this like yet short yen futures position. And so when you see yen strength happening, it's not, it, um, it, it's basically what that is, is that it's, it's traders once again betting that the Bank of Japan is going to ditch yield curve control or expand the bands or whatever and therefore they're going to be more hawkish therefore you're getting policy convergence and that's why the yen is uh the the the, the yen is going up because traders are exiting their positions they're buy covering so they're not buying the yen they're exiting a position right um mm -hmm. so there's the, the, the which is a huge difference and so when you see the yen um you know just rallying like this um, it's just keep that in mind. Um, it is not, and, and when you think of like, uh, shouldn't the yen be depreciating because the bank of Japan is printing an insane amount of money and all that kind of, I'm not going to get into the whole, like, um, central banks do or don't print money in commercial, but like, like, I'm not going to get into that. Just how about, there's no, there's no, hope? yeah. It's, it's not like that so, someone, you know, finds the answer to that question and then they get a reward. You know, it's just like, it's, it's. You're, you're, you're debating, you know, you're, you're reading the holy text and someone has one interpretation, someone else has another interpretation. Yeah. Either way, that it, like whoever the hell prints money or whatever, or doesn't print money, it doesn't show up immediately in price action on a tick for tick basis, right? So that, that wouldn't really happen either, right? Um, and so what's, what, what's going on is basically that. And then the, the second thing is that I hear about is, um, you know, shouldn't the yen be appreciating because now you have yields. Okay, so yields are higher in Japan for the first time in forever. And so you're going to get this massive repatriation of of overseas capital back to Japan because Japan is the, the largest foreign capital allocator. And so they're going to be pulling money out of treasuries, out of 
real estate in Europe out of you know Australian sovereign bonds out of uh, CLOs whatever it is. Why? Why? Because because Japanese government bonds are yielding fifty basis points. Because Japanese government bonds are yielding fifty basis points, but also because hedging costs and FX are you know are wiping out all the nominal spread uh, yield spread premium and all that. And basically, why t- take FX risk um, that's insanely expensive when you can just have you know FX free. Uh, be FS free and have, uh, you know, the Bank of Japan backstopping you still with a put, but with a higher yield and all that kind of thing. And so there's this notion, there's a lot of this like narrative is now being talked about uh, the Japanese like money coming, like being repatriated, and that's going to flow out of treasuries. And it's going to therefore, you know, the the, the marginal buyer on uh, of US treasuries is, is now, uh, you know, going to be gone, all that. That might be too. Okay, but here's what I'll say to that. First of all, uh, 2022, the uh, Japanese institutions, Japanese insurance companies, pension funds, all that, they've already sold a record amount of their holdings. Now, they still are the largest creditor to the United States. They still hold over a trillion uh, in in U.S. treasuries, um, but they are currently underweight, and a lot of that already took place. Second of all, I'm not sure that they're rushing into JGBs right now because the Bank of Japan just pulled the rug out from underneath them. And if they think that they're going to be doing that um, again and again and again, and they're on some sort of cycle like that, JGBs are not touchable at all right now. So uh, that's not really happening. So right now, it really is just this short, this massively crowded short positioning uh, that you're seeing um, take place. That's why you get yen strength and dollar weakness. And that's why okay. today, okay. when you didn't get a uh, policy change, you didn't get a you know, uh, p- further policy convergence. That's why you're getting reversals in sort of the the, the yen um, to, to weaken once again, temporarily. So what do you think happened? How many more meetings are there before Kuroda leaves? And what do you think happened in these meetings? And who do you think his successor is? And what do you think that person will do? Uh, I don't know who the successor is, and I don't think it matters. Um, and I'll get to you, I'll tell you why. But Kuroda has... He has two meetings left, um, but he is speaking at Davos on Friday. And that is a significant sort of thing because I, I was talking about this on a, I had a long Twitter spaces um, that you should check out. Um, I, it was like three hours long uh, with uh, Emma <clears throat> Newman, but I basically laid out my entire view of what's gonna happen today and kind of played out exactly as such. But And also, Wes, uh, I wanna say, you, you nailed this. You've you've called that the Bank of Japan would not raise their yield for control, so you nailed this, and I think I just want to give you the credit that you deserve. Thank you, <laughs> thank thank you. Um, I I um I appreciate that, and it's not it wasn't difficult to do. It's just because you you know you just have to follow the the correct metrics, like get CPI every head and, and all that kind of stuff, right? But but yeah, so basically, um, this is the kind of timeline of events. What I said was, the Bank of Japan is going to release their policy, right? When they release their policy, um, that's going to happen around noonish or so. And when they do that, uh, you're that's not don't read into the market price action um, because it's not even the the uh, the BOJ governor Kuroda's press conference, right? You got to at least wait for that. Normally, that's how it'd be. But I would also say that you also have to wait for this this Davos appearance that he's making because apparently he just did this within the last. 48 hours or so of like, you know, uh, booking this flight to Switzerland and, and uh, you know, going to make uh, this Davos appearance. Why is he doing that? And, you know, because that time frame is also when he kind of would make up his mind as to what he's going to do for this, for today's BOJ meeting. So apparently he has something to tell the foreign international press or the international community, foreign financial community, the financial elite about what, something that he did today. Um such that he had to jump on, you know, a, a plane immediately after the BOJ uh, press conference today, and so let's see what he has to say. You know, like maybe he said, maybe he's just trying to use the the last uh, kind of free trip that he gets, you know, that before he has to start paying for things. The last but, free plane ticket, yeah. Last free plane ticket, but um, I seriously doubt that. And let's also keep in mind that this was a guy who would go to Davos to like lie about something. Governor Kuroda, this is from Davos. Governor Kuroda, are you going to be cutting rates negative? Or, like, was there negative interest rates in Japan? No, ne- no negative rates, interest rates in Japan. One week later, negative interest rates in Japan. 
So um, this this like so let's 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 not like forget that like although he has been very kind of careful about not shocking markets except for December, um, that he has that in his blood still. And if he's like a second semester senior on his way out, I mean, like crazy things he he could he could say something like very crazy like um or or, or not but just don't let your guard down like there he's jumping on a plane for a reason um and he's almost 80 years old and he's not there to you know cl- go skiing or something yeah, so he doesn't he, 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 the foreign investor community like the foreign international community badly <laughs> so keep that in mind um in the in the near term uh the, the the story is not over yet is, is what, and what is do you what, what, what do you think Corona does over the next two meetings and what do you think he says on, on, at davos what does your gut say obviously so, no one has any idea but what does your gut say yeah so um if a, a day before you and i spoke last time uh i could have given you kind of my thoughts uh, as to what's you know i, I would have said like it, the bank of japan is going to wait until the new governor comes in to to change things and all that kind of thing since that day and and, and then subsequently um you know until current and still uh i believe that anybody who's making sort of predictions about what the boj is going to do or not going to do over uh, over the next you know meeting or out you know after uh, the next few months or whatever they're gonna have to revisit that because this is something that is the bank japan situation is changing on a day-to-day intraday intra-meeting basis right like the in december they increase the amount of uh, JGB buying that they're going to do. Then they exceeded that in four days and then they increased it again, right? So this is literally like they, they're going like like day by day or all kind of intraday and intraday and intraday. So I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. They they are not, you know, I, the, what I, what I will say is that if they do kind of, um, if they do increase, further increase the bans on yield curve control, which I don't think that they're going to do, but if they do that, um, it will not be as just as it hasn't been this whole time because of anything CPI or inflation related. It's going yeah, to be because of financial conditions kind of related. And so that's okay. kind of what you have to look at. But I think that they really learned their lesson as like, uh, we, we, we can't ever do that again, um, is, is what they're, they're looking at. And then, and then, so I think that you're not, you're actually my kind of non-consensus view. Um, and again, this is subject to change because BOJ is subject to change all the time, but they're probably not going to change anything um, for some time, um, even even after with the, with this new person. And then whoever this new person is, by the way, there it doesn't matter who it is. It might matter for that time for that short time period, but kind of longer term, you know, like a, a few months in in the role. The ghost of Kuroda is going to be haunting the Bank of Japan uh, next governor, and then the next governor, and the next governor, and monetary policy, and just Japan and the world as a whole forever because you cannot undo the policies that he's done you can't you can't buy half of the you know sovereign debt market and then start so what are you going to do like qt there is no qt there's no unwind there's no selling jgbs into a market that you've destroyed liquidity on that doesn't trade that you set the prices on that you own half of and that doesn't exist anymore like if you want you know japanese yields to be at like 15 percent or like looking like argentina as they should um then whoa, whoa, whoa. go ahead and start selling right but otherwise uh the bank of japan has to keep doing some form of yield control you can call it whatever you want to but japan can't there's no qt right um so there okay. like that's people are going to be stuck with it like that makes sense, that makes sense Wesley. My, okay, my, my question yeah. is what so japanese stocks like the news right nikkei rally do you think that this is all in all bullish for japanese stocks uh in what time horizon three months no uh no, i don't um, so I was long topics banks, for example, after this December thing, right? Um, and I, I was like long. So that's uh, a bank. USD. It's an index of Japanese banks. Yeah. Yeah, but like the large ones are, you know, uh, MUFG. These are these are US ADRs too, like MUFG, Mitsubishi UFG, uh, SMFG, which is Sumitomo Financial Group, and then Mizuho Financial Group is uh, MFG. Um, and so those three are have rallied just like I don't know like. Uh, so I, I had like a 23% gain from when you and I spoke to uh, Monday, uh, where I want to close everything out based on this no change, you know, sort of outlook that I had. Um, 
and it, so I, the, the, so those stocks basically kind of, you know, kept uh, like they were they're moving kind of inverse to the 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 index, the broader index, and then you had a kind of a, a flip today. Um, but the Japan is actually kind of in a weird situation. The, the equity market it's, it's actually trading. Um, very independently, it doesn't just follow the E-mini or like what happened overnight with uh, SPX and Nasdaq and all that. It is kind of like independently trading, but um, I don't I don't see that happening because I just don't see any sort of inflow into Japan with this kind of broader mentality of the international community thinking about Japan is going to be hiking rates, sort of thing, right? And so if that's the broader sort of um, if if the if the index is more more or less based on foreign capital inflows or outflows. Uh, and the predominant thinking of the international community is that Japan is going to get more, t you know, tightened uh, policy, then they're not necessarily going to be going along that. However, uh, I, I, I will say like kind of as like an interesting sort of, not trade idea, this is not trade advice, obviously, um, but the bank stocks have been rallying, like really breaking out to like multi-decade sort of levels, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they're doing that because they, you have a steepening of the a steepening of the JGB yield curve. So therefore, you have net interest margin and all that kind of stuff and potential net, net interest margin. You have something like uh, like Bloomberg did some uh, calculation where Sumitomo Mitsu uh, SMFG, for example, for every 10 base points increase in 10-year JGB yield is like a 20 billion um, operating profit positive like impact or something like that from NIM and all that. Great. Um, in September of 2022, these three mega banks booked 200 billion yen worth of unrealized losses from JGB uh, on, J, on their JGB holdings because of rising yields. And, yeah, and that was the US. Yeah, they, they, they say rising yields are good for banks, or at least that's what they tell me. And they are, they are for net interest margins for the reason that you say, especially a CPU group. But, but, but yeah, when your interest rates explode higher. You know, you're, you're, JP Morgan has treasuries. Yeah, I mean, there's like close to a half a trillion of losses, mostly unrealized on the bank, U.S. bank balance sheets. And I'm not surprised to hear it's no different in Japan, although probably worse. <laughs> yeah, so so basically I just, you know, I was long and then I just basically took my house money and I just bought puts on, you know, that are going to expire uh, at, like a little bit post earnings just in case they say like, by the way, um, nobody wants to borrow money. So this is this like NIM spread just not apply. on the banks. And by the way, we have you like a puts massive, on the banks? massive, like, what? You bought puts on the banks. Yeah. So you, you bought, so, you bought, so you bought, you bought the banks big time. They went up a huge amount and then you shorted them. That's pretty gangster. And short, I didn't short them. I'm just going to play a potential well, downside bought, just in case. Oh, oh like, so you uh, still own them. You still own them, but you just bought puts on them. Oh, no, no. I got, I got out of them because yeah. I, you yeah. know, well, I mean, your delta is like negative. I, that's that's shorting them. Buying puts is, is yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, playing, playing the downside. Playing the downside. There we go. All right, Weston. Well, it's been uh, great getting to pick your brain. Um, you, people can find your work on at across the spread on Twitter. Uh, of course, I'm at Jack Farley, and uh, yeah, wild times ahead, Weston. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, and uh, let's um, let's do this again. We're on on the the meetings are gonna get crazier. Um, so let's so let's do this again at the, at the next one. Let's Corona's last one. Count on it.